Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm excited today to be joined by Emily Hunkler, who's the COO at GoWP, a firm that provides white label WordPress development for your agency and are also getting into hiring and placement. Uh, So we'll be interested to dig into that. And today we're going to unpack contractors and freelancers. Should you hire them? Should you not? How do you figure that out? And what are the keys to making those kinds of relationships successful? So with all of that, Emily, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Marcel. Thanks. So we connected a while ago uh, through WP, GoWP, sorry. We did some content together back then uh, for your audience. And now like, I'm excited to have you on the show. Before we dive into the topic du jour, I want to give everyone some context on how you got into this industry and what led you to starting GoWP in the first place. Yeah, so my background's in marketing and I joined the GoWP team uh, five years ago now um, as a, as a uh, marketing manager. And GoWP was started by our founder, Brad Morrison, who lots of folks in this industry know. Um, And basically as a solution to a problem, it was a need that wasn't being met. Um, He was an agency owner, started doing white label services for other agencies that he knew and made contact with. Um, And website maintenance was just a big thing that agency owners didn't want to deal with. They wanted to build sites. They wanted to um, you know, design sites, do the marketing, not maintain websites. So there was this big pain point. Um, he saw it, he identified it, and he really just niched down to just that. So when GoToP was founded, it was website maintenance. It was a month-to-month maintenance service, 24-7 content updates um, for agencies and direct businesses. After a couple of years, they stopped serving direct businesses and just marketed to agencies. That's when I came in. Um, and since then, our Really, our goal is just to help agency owners grow and scale. Our slogan is to create happiness. So um, when we see a problem that you know several of our customers are having or people are talking about in our community, uh, we figure out how we can fill that gap and what we can do to create a solution for it. And that's where also the, the placement and the hiring and um, that service was born out of that as well. Awesome. And GoWP has been early to a trend that I see picking up even more steam now than I ever imagined that it would, which is this idea of providing a white label backend team or really providing a way for an agency to expand their service offering without having to bring all of the overhead, all of the operational complexity of hiring that team internally. Um, And I'm seeing that pick up a lot of steam. I have a thesis that a lot of the future of how agencies are going to be structured is going to involve more and more of that kind of thing. Um, what is your take on where we're going with contractors and freelancers? What have you observed from your client base and what you're hearing from agencies that you're working with in terms of their appetite for this kind of help? Yeah, I think you're you're spot on with kind of that direction because uh, what agency owners need, you know, is is that elastic team. It's I know if folks are listening to this as agency owners, there's there's a roller coaster that comes with it, right? There's the feast or famine. 
Um, there's when you can't, you just can't fathom taking on another project because your pipeline's so full. And there's a time where you're just hoping and wishing that you don't have to lay off team members because you don't have any projects in the pipeline. Um, that's that's when you have a, a team of full-time full-time hires, right? You really have to maintain the revenue in order to to support that. If you're able to build these elastic teams, um, whether that's with freelance and contractors, whether that's through partnering with other agencies that specialize in different areas that you do, it's definitely a trend we're seeing. Um, agencies have customers that come to them because they specialize in you know, building an e-commerce site, but they want to run PPC campaigns. So what do you do? Do you refer them out to a completely different agency that also maybe builds e-commerce sites <laughs> and you might risk losing that, losing that customer down the road? Or do you bring in a PPC specialist um, on, on a contract basis? Or do you, you know, reach out to a contact that you have that you know does PPC and bring them on, bring them in as a, on a white label kind of, kind of agreement there and servicing your customers under your brand. So I think being able to do that, having the resources to do that um, is, is really integral to growing in the agency space right now. Um, and, and that's really what, what we hope to be able to do. Right now, we have developers, copywriters, designers, virtual assistants. We would love to have a network of sales development representatives, um, PPC campaign managers, uh, SEOs, all, all of those things that when, when an agency owner needs a specialist, needs someone on a contract basis, um, they don't have to go through a months long process to find that person in order to fulfill a service that a customer needs now. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of things that I want to dig into today. Um, the first is really determining, yeah, when is it appropriate? What is the context where it makes sense to bring in freelancers, contractors, or bake that into your model versus building an in-house team? Because I think, of course, there, there's a balance and both of those things generally are going to need to be true as you scale up as a business. The other thing I want to talk about are some of the misconceptions or concerns or uh, negative experiences that people have had trying to do this and how to avoid them and set this up for success. And the third thing that I want to make sure that we touch on today are the different ways to arrange those contracts and compensation mechanisms. Because of course, there's so many different ways that you can set up an engagement with a freelancer or contractor. You can pay them by the project. In some cases, you're retaining them for a certain amount of time. In other cases, you're paying them by the hour. And you know, there's different contexts where it might make more or less sense to uh, use one of those models versus another. So those are three things I want to touch on. But before we do that, I want to second what you just said, which is we're also seeing this trend. Um, some of the most profitable agencies that we've audited are really, really deliberate about what their core strengths are and what they build an internal team around and are really good at staying disciplined and saying, no, we're going to use partner agencies or referral partnerships or freelancers to still offer things to our clients that they want and that they're asking for, but without adding a whole bunch of operational drag and complexity to our business that is in an area that we're not really passionate about, we're not excellent at, and frankly, is not the core thing that makes us amazing. And I think that because the industry has really leaned into specialization over the last decade, we've become very fragmented. And this is a way for agencies to remain disciplined in that specialization because there's a lot of advantages to it, but still be able to provide that more holistic service to their clients. So you can kind of have your cake and eat it too with this. And we're seeing it in the numbers. It is leading to more profit. So um, definitely second that. And I think we're aligned in terms of where it's going. So let's talk about number one, when should an agency be thinking about freelancers, contractors versus in-house in team? How do you make that decision or that assessment? Yeah, I think um, 
in-house team members, it's a big upfront investment. Um, I would say you're looking at a hiring pipeline, you're looking at onboarding, um, making them a true team member. It's not going to be necessarily the, you find someone quick and they hit the ground running, right? That is very seldom uh, the case, unless you have a, a referral from a trusted friend who's worked with somebody for, for years and you you know for sure, right? So, so it's a big upfront investment. I think a lot of times the ideal situation is kind of that start on a contract basis, bring them, bring someone in for work that you have, that you need to get done, that you're not going to do, bring them in on a contract basis. They can hit the ground running from there and you get a feel for it. Oh, this, okay. They can do this project, but I'm not working with them again after this. Right. Or we just don't, we're not getting along. The culture fit is off something along those lines. You can address it. And then there's not a whole process in, and doing it again. It's it's a quick turnover. You can you can start over. There is a little bit of an investment, obviously, working with anybody, you're gonna have that. Um, but when it comes to to contractors and freelancers versus the the full time, I mean you really have to know if you're doing a full-time hire that this is someone you want fully uh, integrated into your team for a long time. I mean, it, I, I think in order for that kind of investment to make sense, you really, really have to be sure of that. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing, and that's exactly right. So utilization is the other consideration. If you're thinking about a full-time hire, it's like, what is going to be the cost of the fluctuation and utilization for this person? It's often not considered. And the other thing that I'll say is I think the forcing function of the hourly rate of this freelancer is higher than what it would be if I had a full-time employee that was fully utilized. That I think is a really good forcing function for you to have good pricing hygiene. Because let's imagine, it, just like you said, you use a freelance resource for this type of work for six months until you really get to a place where you're like, okay, we are consistently selling this. We can generate the pipeline. We know we have the work to justify a full-time person. Well, then you actually just benefit from the full-time hire because ideally it brings your hourly cost down because you've reached that critical mass, but you've priced in more margin than you needed. And now you've actually increased your profitability. So you're getting a real advantage from that hire beyond some of the, you know, other advantages that are more subjective. This is like an objective profitability improvement because you've priced yourself at a place where you can support that work with a freelance resource. So I like it as a forcing function for that. What are some of the other concerns, misconceptions, or um, bad experiences that you find people have had with freelancers that you unpack a lot uh, at GoWP? Yeah, I would say really number one is communication. Um, it's so big. It's so big in order, you know, the, one of the huge benefits of working with a contractor or freelancer is that it can be super efficient, right? You've got your project scoped out. You just need someone in to tackle the tasks. And, and if you have it all uh, organized well and a project management tool or something like that, it should be really simple. Um, even if you have all of that mapped out and ready to go, 
you need to be able to communicate and you need and your freelancer needs to communicate as well. That contractor needs to needs to be communicating. One of the biggest pain points um, we have heard and we've seen ourselves is when you're working with a, a contractor on Upwork or Fiverr, one of those places, and you you hand off the project and you don't hear anything for weeks, maybe right until okay, here it is, here's the work, and you don't know what's going on, you don't know how what the progress is, the, all of those sorts of uh, lack of communication. So. So that's a big one, and it's something we are constantly talking about internally on our team and with our network of freelancers. We're constantly reminding daily updates. The way our business model works is uh, agencies get a set number of hours per week with a contractor on, on a monthly basis. So you're working 10, 20, 30 hours a week with the same contractor month to month. And and we tell them all the time, whenever you're working on, on a client's work, give an update, say, hey, clocking in, whatever you want, however you want to say, hey, I'm here, this is what I'm working on today. And when you're done for the day, say, hey, heading out, here's what I got done, here's what I'll work on tomorrow. If you can set those, and we encourage our clients to set those expectations as well. Like, hey, this is what I want from you, please do this. And if set the expectations, clear communication, that's the biggest one, because what can happen is there's no communication, resentment starts building up, concern, uh, conflict, all of those sorts of things. And it really just makes a mess and it, it's hard to recover from that. So that that's a big one. Um, the other thing we hear a lot of is hesitancy to hand work off, to outsource work um, to someone that, you know, they did not source and find and vet themselves. Um, so, oh, my, my quality of work's going to go down. My clients are used to me doing everything. It's going to be obvious. So uh, that's a big one as well. That's just a bottleneck to growth and scaling. Um, that's something any business owner needs to figure out how to get past if they want to grow, right? And that has a lot to do with setting up your SOPs, setting up your your processes and being able, being capable of, of handing work off in a way that sets the person you're handing it off to up for success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with those two things. And it's you know, both anecdotal from my own experience and and looking at what our clients have gone through. I say this all the time where it's like, it's impossible to over communicate in client services, because to your point, like if you're not controlling the narrative and being clear with what you're working on, the client will come up with their own story. And it's almost never going to be a flattering one, generally, because they'll have had a bad experience. Almost everyone's had a bad experience where you hired somebody and they didn't do what they said they were going to do. You didn't hear from them. They ghosted you. And so that catastrophization starts to happen in their mind if you're not over communicating. But it also goes the other way. I have personally been exposed by freelancers where it's like I outsource something that we were doing internally. And what that exposed for me was I'm not actually very organized or clear about how this works, but I was able to comp like the person was in the company. So we were just, that was a crutch and we were able to make up for it with Slack messages and communication that's not really in the scope or is really appropriate for an outsourced engagement. And so it was a forcing function for me to get my shit together and be more organized and be more clear and have better processes. And I think that can also be a little difficult uh, for somebody that maybe isn't ready for that insight or doesn't arrive at that conclusion that that might actually be the problem, that a lot of it comes down to them and yeah, you have to be more disciplined when you're working with an outsourced firm because you have that little bit of that healthy separation and it forces you to have that mutual clarity. So I think those are some really uh, some really astute insights that I certainly resonate with. Yeah, absolutely. We see it all the time. So it's it's they're easy to identify. <laughs> 
Like when I think about my own experience and other people around me that have had a negative experience with freelancers and contractors, assuming that they found somebody that was capable of doing the job or the reservations that I hear, the excuses as to why it's like, no, this has to be a full-time hire. Most of the time, there's actually just another issue underneath that. And the full-time hire is a compensation mechanism. And it's, you know, to your point, the processes aren't that clear. You know, we actually don't really have a whole lot of clear definition to the scope of what we do. We don't do a great job of training and onboarding. And so all that additional context and judgment that someone's able to build just by being in the four walls for 40 hours a week and having, you know, much less friction in terms of communication, that can help fill in those gaps. And when you are forced to outsource this to somebody that doesn't have the surface area for all of those little things to fill in the seams, it really forces you to address those gaps and it can be difficult. So I, I would encourage anyone that is listening to this and hasn't already checked out because they think that freelancers aren't good for, right for them to really assess like, okay, if I double click on these concerns that I have, do they lead back to an operational principle that is fundamental to the business that if I addressed it, regardless of if I hired freelancers or full-time employees, the, the business would be better off because of it, because everyone would be set up for success. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's a really, really important thing that you just touched on at the end there. Yeah, I think um, you need to document your process. Anytime you have a process that you're doing, that's an opportunity to hand that process off. That's what I always tell um, my team. That's what I'm always thinking like, okay, I do this 12 times a week. Uh, can I document this and hand it off to, to a VA? Can I document this and, and hand it off to someone else, right? So when, whenever you have a process that you're repeating, that's something that really you don't need to be doing working in your business. If you want to be working more on your business, those repeatable processes almost always are something that you can hand off to, to somebody else. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a pricing framework that looks at value and risk. And I think risk is really the big consideration here. And when you're trying to decide between Am I going to buy your hours? Or am I going to pay you a flat fee per month or a flat fee for this project? Like there's a negotiation of risk that's happening there. And it's like, who's taking on the risk in this engagement? And, um, you know, of course, asking a freelancer to take a flat rate for the project and just give you a price for what you tell them the scope is, is great. It takes a lot of risk off of you. But if you're not very good at scoping and you don't give them realistic expectations about the scope or it constantly changes, then there's a really high likelihood the expectations are going to get missed. And it's very unlikely that that person's going to want to work with you next time. You probably only get one, maybe two shots at that if you're lucky. And then that person's going to say, well, I'm not going to work with you anymore because it's not a, I get a raw deal, right? I'm not getting paid for all the time that I'm spending. And, you know, the flip side of that is if you pay by the hour, then you're taking on more risk. And so I think it's important to get an understanding of what is the nature of this work really? How new is it to us? How likely are we to be able to predict the scope of what's going to happen and how likely is the scope to change? Cause sometimes there's just certain types of work that's inherently iterative and it, changing the scope as you go is a part of the process. And so you got to keep those things in mind. I think when you're looking at those different arrangements so that everybody has a balanced risk profile and you're not having to fight against the contract to get the right result out of the contract, right? Cause I'm sure you've seen this before where it's like, well, we agreed to a fixed scope, but now things are changing all the time. And every time something changes, now we have to sit down and renegotiate our engagement and it's getting in the way of us actually just getting things done. Uh, and that's no, no fun at all. 
It is, and it can go to, on both ends, right? You have change requests from the client that you have to then communicate to the, the contractor. Um, and if you're limited on either end there, there can be a lot of push and pull that's working against each other. So it's it, it can get really complicated really easily. So this has been uh, a really insightful conversation. For those that want to learn more about you and GoWP and also what you're doing on the recruiting side, uh, first of all, let, let's take a moment and let's talk about that. So GoWP historically has been, you know, white label for agencies. You're helping expand their team and give them access to, you know, your team so they can scale faster. What are you doing on the recruiting side? You're launching a new uh, brand there, I think. Yeah, so we have uh, Quickly Hire is the the brand we have uh, launched off of GoWP for our dedicated services and team expansion. So uh, the the dedicated developers, copywriters, designers, VAs that we offer through GoWP are are um, managed through Quickly Hire. So that is our new brand, uh, QuicklyHire.com. But it's the same services you'll see on GoWP minus the white label managed services of maintenance and content edits. It's the staffing and team expansion side of things. Um, so you can find all of that on quickly hire as well. So that's our, that's our new brand and go WP. You can find us at gowp.com. And we also have the, um, go WP digital agency owners, Facebook community as well. If folks are interested in joining us there on Facebook. Awesome. So we'll leave links to all of that in the show notes to quickly hire to go WP to the Facebook community. Uh, and with that, any final words of advice, uh, for our listeners today, Emily? I think it all just comes down to those uh, SOPs and communication. I think if people can get can get that right and get that figured out, um, growth and team expansion is really um, just another piece of the puzzle. So uh, it's it's really just a little bit of upfront work, getting your SOPs down and and moving forward with with scaling your agency. Awesome. Well, with that, thank you so much for joining us, Emily. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. Let us know what you got from the episode. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Marcel. This is wonderful. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.